and welcome to the Marvelous Post Blip Podcast, a podcast on all things Marvel and the Fangirl Zone. I am Sean Fangirl S. I'm Steve. And I'm Mischievous Dave. And today we're talking about episode five of season one of Hawkeye titled Ronin. I was expecting something different when we seen Ronin. I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? But <laughs> starting to get nervous. So let's go into initial reactions, shall we? I already started to say I was nervous. There's, of course, <laughs> more. I was nervous. I had questions. I'm thinking, oh my God, where are we going with only one more episode? There's so many things that I'm not sure of. And are we going to get that final end credit like title card for what I think we're going to get? That's my big, big question. And what do you think we're going to get? Young Avengers. Yeah. Okay. That was my guess. Yeah. So it's like, is, I don't is know. it going to be official or is it going to just be like Hawkeye season two? It's like, are they going to screw with us? There's a lot of questions still, but I mean, that's me. Steve, what about you? Oh, I love this episode. This was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved how Kate was ready to give up and then Yelena shows up and, oh, that's going to change things real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, it did not surprise me in the least that at the very end, we finally see Kingpin and Kate's mom together. Yeah, so yeah. I still have a question as to how she actually was the one who was got the hit on Hawkeye when, of course, in Black Widow, we see it's Rosanna Dana <laughs> LaFontaine that did it. <laughs> Or at least oh, gave up the information. There's some boomer talk, because there's a whole lot of yes. people that don't know what that is. But It's on YouTube. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, I mean, I'm going to get to you, because I know you're going to unofficially rate it, but I have to respond to Steve, which I'm sure you're going to as well. Are we going to find out if the theory that, I can't remember which of you posed it last week, is going to be true in regards to Kate's mom then, like being attached to... What's her name? Madam Mask, and then some right. attached to King Pet. Yep. Like, do you think that thread's going to pull then? I don't know for sure if that's actually how it plays out. Because I thought about it for a little bit and I thought, now, wait a minute. When we first get introduced to this family, she was on her husband for waiting for the next great idea to fall out of the sky. So I have a feeling that they were pretty tight as it was. And then Battle of New York happened, and he's dead, supposedly. Yeah. And I kind of think that maybe Kingpin approached her to maybe get his hands into her security business so he could do his stuff a lot easier. And the money was just too good for her to turn down without really knowing who and what he is. That's another possibility, but... Because it it floored me when she tells Kate that, yes, I know, I have a really good feeling I know what you're going to become. Like, what? Now, yes, I can see that she would want to have a hit out on Clint just because that was her hero. But I don't know if I can, I guess her mom could say, yeah, you're going to turn into a bad guy like me. (laughs) I think she she could be a a convenient cutout between kingpin right yeah she could just take the blame the fall while kingpin as usual keeps his hands clean right that's a good one all right dave hit me with your initial reaction and unofficial rating of this episode okay well i liked it too i was hoping we get more thunderous reveals the the reveal at the end of 
who the kingpin is. He's the kingpin, literally. It didn't hit with the same weight. I'm like, I'm making, I'm making a lot of kingpin puns here. It didn't hit with the yeah. same weight. <laughs> <laughs> then we thought it would because that's what everyone was anticipating. Am I glad to see him? Yeah, I'm glad to see him. As far as the episode goes, I know we're not rating it. But if we were, I would give it four out of five chewy reindeer. <laughs> oh my god i expected just a little yeah well they are chewy yep. <laughs> yeah just ask santa sorry kids oh. 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 what was that magical reindeer <laughs> i expected more thunderous reveals right it could have been done a lot better i guess if you really say okay well we're gonna throw in daredevil and yeah. get him in with the group before they find out that it's really Kingpin. That yeah, would have probably that been, been nice. Thunderous. Yeah, that would have yes. blown me away. I wouldn't say anything blew me away. I still no, we were all like there's, it. <laughs> I still feel like there's probably something that we missed regarding Daredevil. Like, literally him walking in a crowd and we didn't catch it. Well, if that happened, the internet would be on fire, so I guess we didn't. No. <laughs> right, yes. True. <laughs> It was cut. <laughs> that was really right. Sad. Yeah, no, was we haven't seen three. any walking sticks on the sidewalks in New York yet because yeah. those jump out and slap you in the face. <laughs> there was something about Elena's message to Kate Bishop when she sent the picture and the message who paid for the hit. I wonder if she had an ulterior motive. I mean, she just can't be mac and cheese buddies. There has to be something behind that. You know where I'm going on this? Yeah, did- I yeah kind of do, and because you kind of figure that Elena even though she fought her a little bit, sees some potential in her. Now, I don't know if she is thinking she could turn Kate into a widow as well. I don't think so, But it wouldn't surprise me if she thought she could. Is it her motive to turn Kate against her own mother? You think that's going to happen? I don't think so. I think that's a possibility. Only to turn her more toward... Push her towards Clint? Yeah. Doesn't work. That'd be against what she's working for. Well, she Yelena feels might, like, as far as Elena, yes. Well, see, I'm if thinking Elena might think, okay, wait, maybe something really isn't quite right. And she wanted to honor Natasha more than anything. That's why she's thinking, all right, we need to change something up. Maybe. I don't know. She still seems to be pretty anti-Hawkeye. Unless she feels as though by give, submitting this information that it'll bring her closer to Kate. And if she's closer to Kate, then she can get the Hawkeye. That's There's a, a thought. Yeah. A big possibility. Yeah. Ooh, that's devious. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why Mischievous Dave came up with yeah, it. Yeah, change it to Devious Dave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we get into this episode? Let's yeah. jump in officially. After a fallout between Clint and Kate, the latter is ready to abandon her dream of becoming a hero, but Kate makes a discovery that changes everything. They should have included the uh, background music to Love Story while she's sitting there yeah. sobbing or getting patched up by her mother. Sad music. Something from the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> this isn't working out for me. So episode five begins with snippets of an audio, speaking of audio, from 2021's Black Widow movie. Yelena's voice recaps the Red Mist antidote used to undo the brainwashing inflicted upon Black Widow agents, while Scarlett Johansson's party instructions that Elena should Liberate her fellow agents also plays over in a snowy landscape. It's not always easy to pick up either. Right. You're watching the scene, you're invested in the emotion, and there's also a narrative going on in the background. You're trying to connect to a movie that was out, what, two years ago or something? Yeah. Before the episode proper, the episode detours with a sequence that essentially acts as a Black Widow epilogue. And the 2018 flashback begins with Elena Belova and a second Black Widow, Sonia, 
breaking into a lavish mansion and unleashing the synthetic gas on widow Anya. Or Anna? Yeah. Elena is shocked to find out she's not actually under any mind control anymore. This is her house, and she's making a living to do what widows do best, which is completing dangerous missions. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you <laughs> nice want to call it. Nice way of saying being a paid assassin, yeah. Right, yeah, that's the cleaned-up version. A speckled VFX on, on his face mimics the same effect used on the big screen, or indeed Disney+, Plus, and the scene as a whole serves to complete Elena's Black Widow journey. Excusing herself and going to the bathroom, Elena starts to feel odd when suddenly she dusts away a victim of the blip. That was so cool. Yes, that was, it was. so weird because yeah. <laughs> it was like dust and back. It's like, whoa. Yeah, so weird. The effects on that were really great. And oh, I had to go back and watch it again. And and I, I caught it right away, what happened. And I was watching with my husband. He's like, wait, what just happened? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> probably the first time we saw the perspective of somebody that actually experienced it. I mean, none of the other characters. Right. We just yeah, saw the dust. And came back, right? Yeah, exactly. you're right. You're right. Because I don't. Even when we see, what is it, in WandaVision, Monica Rambeau come back, I don't think we've seen that part. We just see her there all of a sudden. Mm. Right. When half the universe disappeared in Avengers Infinity War and then returned in, in Avengers Endgame, it proved impossible to fully appreciate what such destruction looked like in everyday life. Since then, we've seen small glimpses of the blip through characters such as WandaVision's Monica Rambeau. But this week's episode shows the events of Elena's perspective. Before she can really comprehend what's happening, though, she's back in the same bathroom. But things have changed. So I'd weird. I'd say so. <laughs> I know. She gets back there and there's no toilet paper left. She's like, what happened? <laughs> when a stunned Elena returns to greet an equally stunned Anna, the new mother explains how she got married and adopted a child while Elena was using the toilet. <laughs> as established previously, Black Widow agents are deprived of their ability to bear children as part of their training. However, the line also alludes towards a wider gap problem that the MCU has neglected thus far. Kids left behind after their parents disappeared. Yeah. During those intervening five years, an adoption must have become far more common. Yeah, I'm sure there's a story there, but I don't think they're going to go that far. Probably not. Yeah. Unless it has something to do with a young Avenger. This episode also confirms the widely held assumption that Elena was among Thanos' victim. Five years have passed, and it's a lot for Elena to digest. I know, she's like shaking her head. Can you just slow down a little? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I felt like Can Anna went like a whole different direction. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have tons to tell you. Oh, well, slow down. More importantly, she has to find her sister, Natasha. The title card in episode two and four featured a pair of cartoon arrows firing into letter A. But in episodes one, three, and five, the archery animation goes missing. The arrows seem to denote when an episode focuses squarely on Clint Barton and Kate Bishop's partnership. Episode one revolved around Kate alone. Episode three was Echo's introduction. And episode five centers on Elena. I didn't catch that. Follow the arrows. Little things yep. keep showing up. I thought that was interesting, though, the whole thing with Anna explaining but Anna not starting from the beginning, that right. might have been good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, hey, I don't know. <laughs> you disappeared, I'm... but this is what I did. It's like, can you tell me everything else that happened? Right. Yeah, great. You got married. You, got, you adopted a kid. And that's really interesting, though, Dave, what you said about with all the kids who were probably adopted. It's like, wait, if their parents blip back, right. how weird that, is that's that? A of, that's a lot of heartache a lot of paperwork too yeah <laughs> and i do remember in spider-man that aunt may said when she came back she was standing in the middle of their old apartment like that's all she said and the other guy was getting yelled at who lived there now because his wife thought that she was a mistress or something <laughs> so my husband did point out he's like at least the same person lives there so she kind of knows what's going on i'm like yeah but that's 
weird. You come out, you're like, what's going on? All the paint has changed, everything. It's like, yeah, I think I'd have been a little bit more freaked out than Yelena was, though. Well, she's got training. That's true. I am not that well trained. I screamed when I seen a garter snake. So, you know, there's that. (laughs) Returning home after her dangerous encounter on the rooftop, Kate Bishop finds her mother waiting for her. On the what? Top of the (laughs) houses. Oh, that thing. (laughs) Seeing how badly Kate is beaten up, both physically and emotionally, Eleanor consoles her and then immediately starts asking questions about Clint. Now, I don't know about you guys. I was like, why are you so interested in this? Yeah, he dead? No, he's not dead. Yeah, yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> Kate explains that he protected her and then sent her away to stay safe. The partnership is done, and Kate's mad at herself for believing that she could be like him. Eleanor is relieved to hear that Clint kept Kate out of harm's way, but is still less than thrilled to see her daughter looking so hurt. Well, let's see. You knew she was with them, and you managed to send a black widow. So, hmm, you're looking mm. she's alive. Yeah, real lucky. Haley Stanfield's Kate Bishop makes little attempt to hide her Hawkeye fangirl status. The episode five reveals a selection of Clint Barton posters dotted around her old bedroom. I love how the one was like on her cock board and it was kind of hidden though. Yeah. The first sports alone. Yeah, there was one about being too obsessed. Right, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, when she gets to the phone calls, which were just very uncomfortable. Yeah. very uh swingers feel it's like stop calling please stop calling oh, she never funny. never really read that article i don't think dave about no hero worship yeah <laughs> the first sports logo more reminiscent of marvel's classic hawkeye comics and can be spotted why eleanor cleans her daughter's wounds can i just ask why was she just using like a q-tip right oh, that was tissue? for the i don't know yeah the neosporin ointment <laughs> oh is that yeah. what it was supposed to be yeah yeah yeah. First, it looked like a dry Q-tip, and then you could see the neosporin on the the second time she applied it to the around the chin. Oh, yeah. I must have. But it didn't look that. to see so much about it when she was treating the wound around her eye. That is one consistent thing they do in this series: is having somebody treat somebody else's wounds. And it's always with a Q-tip. Yep. Like, oh, that's a giant gaping wound. Here's a Q-tip. Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry. It's quite absorbent. The second is part of a magazine clipping entitled "Hero Worship," like the. Gentleman just mentioned. <laughs> and it's pinned to Kate's notice board. Feeling connected to her mother for the first time in a while, Kate starts to explain the information she's uncovered on Jack. Oh, I felt like that was kind of a bad moment to do this, but she says that he's behind a company called Sloan Limited and he is employing the tracksuit. Eleanor promises to look into him very stoically, might I add. It's like, I didn't like the way she did that. She's like, I'll look into it. I'm like, I feel like she should sound i don't know a little panicked or something but apparently eleanor does look into it i'm saying that in air quotes because i feel like she's known all along and she discovers that kate's right and realizes that jack is not the man he says he is the that whole thing didn't pass the smell test to me no no (laughs) especially when jack's being handcuffed and escorted out of the the penthouse and he's like oh darling it's all a mistake don't worry yeah i'll be back yeah. and it's like okay first of all you are way too calm and really creepy about this right now yes yeah, for sure <laughs> and yeah the only one upset here is kate like you would yeah, think I know. eleanor would be a little upset if at least fake it this doesn't look good that's all i'm saying it does not look good. yes well, elsewhere, Kazi and Maya are cleaning up themselves as well. Kazi tends to Maya's shoulder wound and once again begs her to lay off 
Her quest for vengeance against Ronan. Though he is persistent, Maya will still not budge and refuses to give up. And finally, Kazi caves and says he will stay with her until it's done, and then it's over. They'll hunt Ronan down together, but then that's it. After this, Maya has to put Ronan to rest once and for all. That sounds sweet, but I guess he's staying as, as close as he can to Maya in case she gets close to his identity as the real yes. killer. Yes. And he needs to take her down before yeah. I just, Yeah. See, I was starting to think that this whole thing changed the possibility of him being the one that was there. Like, actually doing it, especially what we see later. But what Clint said changes his involvement, though. Like, I don't think he was the one in the mask, but I think he's the person Clinton was talking about. Yeah. Well, as we learn later, Maya's like, uh, hey, you were in town. Why You're his number two. Why weren't you at that meeting? And I said to myself, well, he was. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't see him. Yeah. Yeah. Just dressed differently. So, Kate heads back to her freshly charred apartment to learn she's not the only one there. Elena has broken in. That apartment looked a lot better than I thought it was gonna. Yeah, yeah it did. Usually when there's a fire, it's like trash, is water damage, burns. So she had then made some box macaroni. Do you know it was delicious? Yeah, we all know it's delicious. <laughs> Most deadly intruders don't offer their target a hearty macaroni meal. But then again, Elena Belova is not like most deadly intruders. Cooking up some pasta for herself and Kate Bishop. Lena's love for the macaroni traces back to the opening sequence from Black Metal, where the dish became one of her favorite meals growing up as an undercover agent in Ohio. Florence Pugh also drops the line, My daddy says it's good for you, which pays tribute to David Harbour's Alexei Shostakov, who debuted in Black Widow, portraying the semi-fearsome Red Guardian. He's so funny, that big fat gut. Yes. <laughs> Fight on the rooftop is strenuous. Kate took so long to get home, and Elena got bored and hungry, waiting for Kate to show up so so please sit and have some dinner. That's funny. You know, it took her forever, you know. But of course, Elena is what they're like, a straight arrow. Arrow. Yes. <laughs> Elena is, is also here on a mission, which she makes perfectly clear to Kate. New York City, sightseeing. She got a list of places she wants to see, like the Empire State Building, the new and improved Statue of Liberty, and Rockefeller Center. Describing all the New York tourist spots she tends to visit, Elena name checks us the new Statue of Liberty. This reference to Tom Holland's upcoming MCU return in Spider-Man No Way Home, where the classic American landmark has been given an adventurous theme upgrade with Lady Liberty now in possession of Captain America's shield. Oh, what? boy. <laughs> uh, interestingly, the project is still under construction in Spider-Man No Way Home, but Elena implies that the Statue of Liberty is once again open to the public, meaning Hawkeye uh, must be set after Tom Holland's brush with the multiverse. Maybe yes, maybe no. Well, you got to remember that the flashback was 2018, and she came back five years later. Yeah. So that makes it at least 2023, mm. maybe 2024 or five, depending on how long it took them to gather all the stones and reverse the blip. So it's you possible. You think they'll give us an answer or is this one of those? No, side? no, no. no, okay. no. Yeah. <laughs> Create a timeline and hope for the best. Yeah. If it what gets is, wibbly wobbly. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does Kate recommend she do for her first trip before she Leaves the Big Apple, Florence Pugh's Elena Belova excitedly declares, I love American Christmases, the tree, the presents. While her festive spirit is certainly commendable, the line neatly pays off Black Widow's flashback scenes where Natasha and her family were prepared for undercover duty by studying American culture and recreating family Christmases to support their elaborate cover story. For most Black Widow agents, these fake Christmases were the only ones they experienced as children. Despite the fallacy, Elena and Natasha both treasured those memories into adulthood. 
Good storytelling. Yep. Oh, and also she's here to kill Clint Barton. Just a sidelight. Oh, I had to yeah, mention that. Whoa. <laughs> Say what? When Kate Bishop argues Hawkeye's in Hawkeye's corner, reminding Elena how he saved the world, Florence Pugh's character replies, no, my sister saved the world. Oh, that was a lousy accent. That was interesting, though. So she knows what the situation was. I don't know how much she knows, but at least that's the story she heard. Right. So yeah, she I don't have... know how she would have heard that unless it was La Fontana. Right. That... Yeah. She gets she has government access, so she would know more of the story. She can just right. put her own she spin on it. She might be able to, yeah, definitely set it up that, yes, her dying saved the world, but not the part where Clint didn't want to let yeah. know. Yeah, Clint was trying to kill himself. Right. So she may not know the full story. This moment hints towards Elena's awareness of Avengers Endgame's happening on Vormir, where Black Widow gave her life so that her Avenger colleagues could acquire the Soul Stone and bring every snap victim back to life. So knowing that, why would Elena think it's Hawkeye's fault, despite <coughs> what she was told? She must know if he was there and Black Widow died, it stands to reason that either of them kind of did can she believe like that he pushed her off that cliff? Of course right. not. I'm thinking well, it's more you didn't work hard enough to save her. Yeah, but that's a leap. How would yeah, you... that's a yeah, that's a big leap. But of course, that's she... what Black Widow did. Yeah, dad <laughs> 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 <Yeah>, joke. <laughs> Elena doesn't understand how Kate can forgive him for his storied past, telling her the trail of blood that follows him could wrap around the entire world. Pot Kate... and kettle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Kate refuses to believe this, wonder who hired Elena to kill the Avenger anyway. Thanking Kate for the girl's night and tells her not to get in her way, Elena disappears. Yeah, that was a really interesting exit, too. They always yeah. have fall right out the window. Yep. It's like, what? You heard her connect the wire, but she just like, zoop, yeah. just leans back and out she goes. That's the first thing Kate noticed when she walked into her old apartment, too, that the window was open up there. Yeah. I think she was still surprised, like, why not? But. Still, she should have injured herself <laughs> at that yeah. moment, gone into a crouch. Oh, uh, such a poser. Having demanded Kate Bishop stop playing superhero, Clint Barton can't very well keep staying at her aunt's apartment now, can he? Needing somewhere to rest, Hawkeye turns to Grills, the LARPer he met in <laughs> episode two, played by Clayton English. Disney Plus's Hawkeye is heavily influenced by Matt Fraction's comic book run. Clint Barton living with Grills is another element borrowed from that series. Back then, Grills was one of Clint's neighbors living in the same apartment building. Wait, he lived in the apartment building? That's an interesting well, in thing. I really need to read this whole Hawkeye <laughs> thing. Right. Over pizza, which of course is shared with Pizza Dog, Grills offers Clint space in his apartment to crash for a while, but Clint can't even make it to the bed before passing it on the couch. thought that was nice. He's like, you're not staying in a hotel. You can stay on my couch. Or my bed. I don't care. And it's like, yeah. Snore, snore, snore. Good thing you didn't have that conversation in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> the MCU's Grand Central Station already constructed a statue honoring the Battle of New York's first responders, but this episode unveils a plaque commemorating the Avengers Foundation, featuring the team's official logo and a full list of the heroes involved in that fateful day. You know who wasn't on that list? Yes. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> a couple of noteworthy details here. The text actually uses the term assembled, referencing the famous quote, intentionally or otherwise. I think it was otherwise at that point. Yeah. Also, there's no Ant-Man, even though Rogers the Musical includes Scott Lang in the Battle of New York's musical number. Uh, maybe they just needed more people. <laughs> this proves that the Broadway production was merely taking creative liberties, and the world is fully aware Ant-Man wasn't an original Avenger. You mean 
things we see on Broadway, is that 100% real? Well, yeah. <laughs> movies, TV? Hope that doesn't extend to movies and TV. No. <laughs> sure, it's all real. When Clinton Burton speaks to Black Widow in front of the New York Avengers Memorial plaque, Alan Silvestri's Avenger Endgame Vormir theme can be heard in the background, providing musical callback to Natasha's demise. I will tell you, when I seen him either take out or turn off the hearing aid, I wasn't sure what he did exactly, and he starts talking and you hear the music, I was getting a little weepy. Yeah. (laughs) Hawkeye has recycled the piece already. Uh, Yeah, it's like, there's ninjas cutting onions in here. What's going on? Hawkeye has recycled this piece already, mostly recently after Kate Bishop fell from the top of the apartment, (laughs) which triggered Clint's memory of Natasha in her fatal fall. The only thing missing there was the position of Kate's leg, had it been slightly bent. It's like full circle, but he was not positioned that way. I just wanted to say I miss you, and I'm so sorry for what I'm about to do, Clint says to the plaque bearing the Avengers name and looking specifically at Natasha's, which made me sad. Clint Barton phones his wife then to confirm that he'll be staying in New York a few more days, with the situation getting increasingly hairy or hairless, perhaps. Hmm. <laughs> because the big guy might be getting involved. Despite Christmas fast approaching, Laura fully appreciates the importance of her husband's superhero duties, reassuring him, I understand, more than anyone else ever could. Mm-hmm. That was a little painful. This line could be interpreted as another clue pointing toward Laura Barton's superhero past as Mockingbird, whom Clint was married to in the Marvel comic. Now, I still don't know who Mockingbird is, so I have a rabbit hole I will be going down later. (laughs) Well, among the trinkets in Kate Bishop's bedroom is a decorated boomerang. Previously in Hawkeye, Kate and Clint Barton argued over the value of boomerang arrows with the former believing a returning protecting would be a handy addition to any self-respecting archer's quiver. Boomerangs have always been a reoccurring theme in previous Hawkeye episodes. Does this mean Kate gets to finally fire a boomerang arrow in the season finale? I think not. (laughs) That would be weird. (laughs) Yes. Deciding to pester Hawkeye until he takes her back as a pseudo sidekick, Kate Bishop yells down the phone, fine, whatever, I'm still learning. As she says this, Kate flicks a small object across the room, shattering something off screen. The maneuver is Clint Barton's coin-throwing trick from episode four where he taught Kate how to throw small items with deadly accuracy. She obviously hasn't gotten the knack for that just yet. I know you said it's over, but it's not for me, Kate says over a voicemail to Clint. And then she leaves a half a dozen other messages before completely filling up his mailbox with rambling messages. This isn't over, Barton. I'm going to find you. (laughs) Kate yells into the phone before it cuts her off. Where is Clint anyway? Where is Clint? <laughs> that was just such an awkward moment. It's like, stop. Please stop. Yes. <laughs> you're acting like you're 16, not 20. Nine. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, crazy ex-girlfriend right now. That's what's happening. I half expected his wife to call me like, you know, I can hear these messages, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, please stop. It's awkward now. So sending a message via the tracksuits, Clint asked Ronan, asked Maya to come and meet him at the place where they first met alone. A little that uh, was co- so comedy. hilarious. Yes, comedy there. The guy yeah. looks at it. He's like, but we are not Maya. Like, uh, 
my God. They're bebopping. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Christmas so and ho- or Christmas and is it Hollis? I can't remember the DMC song. DMC. Yeah, but it was hilarious, especially to see Alex do that. <laughs> Knowing this is a trap, Maya brings backup, which Clint quickly takes care of, including Kazi, before facing off with her. Dressed in a Ronin suit, Clint and Maya fight, and while she does manage to get the upper hand a few times, eventually she's bested by Clint. Pulling off the Ronin head to reveal themselves to a shocked Maya, Clint tries to explain the two of them are the same. Maya's not buying it, calling Clint a monster. Via sign language, Clint tries to explain that he was there the night her father died because he was tipped off by an informant who works for Maya's boss. Ooh. Not believing him, Clint tries to further explain that Maya's boss wanted her father's dead. And just as they were about to fight again, Kate sends an arrow flying to disarm Maya. Yeah, she had a little bit of the upper hand right then. She had the sword back, right? That sword changed hands a few times. Yes, it did. (laughs) Just like in Hawkeye, Echo's comic book father was a gangster whose murder inspired her to follow in his footsteps. Echo later discovers that the man who ordered a hit on her father was none other than their beloved boss and Maya's adopted father figure, Kingpin. Though viewers are already suspected as much, the episode confirms the MCU is following this that same story as Clint Barton reveals to a stunned Echo that the attack was orchestrated by Wilson Fisk, who wanted her father out of the picture. Wonder why? Do we know why? I have no idea. No. I didn't read any of this. Criminal underworld. What do, they, what do we know? Right. He <laughs> wants everybody Maya. out of the picture. Come on. Yeah, right. Now, I know. Getting old. Retreating Maya goes off to talk to Kazi and demands answers for him. She almost tipped her hand. Yeah, she did. Yeah. He was in town the night her father was murdered, so it wasn't he at the tracksuit meeting, too. Kazi doesn't have a solid answer to give her, and Maya takes off on her bike. I guess that's all she needed, too. He didn't have a right. solid answer, so she didn't want to tip any more of her hand. So, yeah, I'll see you later, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting when Clint says to her that basically we're weapons being pointed and mm. our rage is what's fueling us. Yeah. Have a but little at run. the same time, yep. it's like, okay, she's finally asking the question, why weren't you there? But, like, do you think she's all of a sudden going to be like, oh, this is why and this is happening. Oh, now I'm going to be a good guy after being, like, this bad guy all this time? <laughs> because doesn't she know. end up on the side of good at some point? At some point, yeah. But at yeah. first, she actually takes on the, the role of Ronan herself, which would seem pretty improbable <laughs> considering the path we're taking now. But who knows? Comic book rules. Yeah. Yep. Movie magic, gotcha. Escaping in a rideshare car, Kate confesses to Clint that she saw Yelena again and drops the news that this is Natasha's sister. Holy I was hoping I was hoping that was Grills in the car. <laughs> I thought it was for a second. Yeah. Like, are you Rebecca? It's like, oh wait, no. Wasn't it Tabitha? Tabitha. <laughs> oh, was it yeah. Tabitha? Sorry. Yeah. That's an allusion a- to uh, Boomer Talk. What was it? Uh, Bewitched. Yes. <laughs> Great. It all clicked for Clint all of a sudden. It's like, oh, this Shalena. It's like, ah, crap on toast. I'm sure that's what was going through his head. There's only more bad news after that, as via some shocking tap, Yelena informs Kate that she took her advice and looked into who actually hired her. That being said, she felt Kate deserved to know that her mother, Eleanor, hired her and who just so happens to be working with another man Kate doesn't recognize. Many viewers suspected Eleanor Bishop would turn out to be a bad egg, and this episode confirms their misgivings, bringing Marvel comic storylines into live action. In the oft-mentioned Matt Fraction story, Kate's comic book mother turned out to be the mastermind behind a supervillain known as Madame Mask, and though there's no sign of the face-covering femme fatale in Hawkeye, 
yet. I'm going to put yeah. yet in there. <laughs> Eleanor betraying her daughter is ripped straight from the page to the screen. Passing the phone to Clint, he says he knows exactly who it is. That's yeah, the guy is- I've been worried about. Yeah, this isn't really important, but when she was arguing with Armand earlier on, we both have important or powerful friends, whatever one of them said. Right, yeah. So if her powerful friend is Kingpin, who is his? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what do you got? I I, I wonder if that's going to come into play, but I kind of doubt it. Now I'm starting to wonder, maybe his powerful friend was or is Daredevil. No. You don't think so? No. I wouldn't be surprised if both the powerful friends that he didn't know about turned out to be Kingpin. Oh, my God. That right, was so yes. weird. But <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? Playing yeah. everybody against each other. Exactly. I feel like there was somebody else. What if it was like the Purple Man or something? I can't remember David Tennant's character and Jessica Jones. Something weird and random. That'd be out there all right. Yeah. <laughs> when Clint finally reveals that it's Kingpin... He does not look happy at all. Of course, everybody else is like, huh? What? After four straight episodes of heavy hints and transparent teasers, episode five finally reveals Kingpin in the MCU. So I guess it's not Agatha all along. No. Or Mephisto. Right. (laughs) Hey, it could still be Mephisto. He looking like Kingpin. We don't know. Although, I honestly did not think that picture looked like D'Onofrio. I did not believe it was him until I seen his name in the credit. Right. Yeah. It was just a bad angle. Is what For I'm a super saying. spy, that's a crappy picture. Right. right. <laughs> Thanks to Yelena Belovoz's detective skills, Clint Barton Hate Bishop learned the man behind everything is finally entering the playing field. And a blurry photograph of Kingpin con- colluding with Eleanor seals the deal. What if she was just like saying hi to Orando, though, in like... Yeah, right. That'd be weird. Right, (laughs) right. Oh, no, I'm sure Eleanor is all bad, but... The MCU's Wilson Fisk is played by Daredevil's Vincent D'Onofrio and is clad in the version's familiar white suit, which, in turn, is inspired from Kingpin's Marvel Comics design. To celebrate Kingpin's long-awaited MCU splashdown, Episode 5's credits roll to the festive sounds of... You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. That was cool. I was cracking up. I'm like, I yes. Oh, it too. Surely that's a nod to Wilson Fisk's notoriously unfriendly nature. If that wasn't enough, the final title frame features a large purple kingpin-shaped silhouette looming over the New York landscape. I loved that they changed it. That we got to see that, and yeah. now I feel like I got to watch all the other ones to see. <laughs> slowly moving in like if you just seen kind of like the white line like it was with the shoulder and because i don't remember you don't pay attention to that right i don't know do you think we're gonna see daredevil then next episode rumored <laughs> to be in it so <laughs> well maybe maybe just as his alter ego though right could be just as charlie cock right well no that's oh. the actor <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's his alter alter ego. There you yeah. go. <laughs> what, you're a real person? <laughs> I don't know. I Matt, have questions. I have so many questions about where it's going, like I said. And I'm like, we only have one episode. Come on. Well, if somebody needs a lawyer by the end of the night, it looks like Kate gets herself in trouble. And then she's approached by a lawyer and it turns out to be Matt Murdock. Be, that'll be fist pumping time. Right. <laughs> or you just see a card. Be like, here, you should call him and just has his name on it. Oh, that's not enough. It's true, but that's not enough. And maybe he'll represent uh, Eleanor. Or post- I don't post- think he'd represent Eleanor, though. 
Well, maybe Jack. Yeah, I thought of that too. Just to just to get himself into play. Well, oh. not not counting out Kate yet because we had that detective call her and want her to come down to the station. Oh, yeah. that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> we haven't seen her show up there yet, so they might be uh, on the lookout for her. So that may be where he comes in. Is we start the episode off with. Kate getting thrown in jail. <laughs> okay, question. Where's the watch? Last time I seen it, Kate took it and put it like in her boot or something. And then we haven't seen the watch. Right. And I'm not sure if Kate realizes she still has it or not. Yeah, there's been no indication. No. Okay, that's why I was like, did I miss something? Where did the watch go? <laughs> but the watch has a tracker on it, though, right? Yes. That Laura and Clint were able to find. Yeah. Right. But nobody else, because the tracksuit didn't have any kind of... Those dopes. That's true. Okay, I don't even know why I was going to go down that route. <laughs> yeah, any tech to be able to track it. They just heard rumors that it was going to be in this auction. I wonder what Kazi's going to do to get himself out of trouble, because he's like between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, I think he needs to go hide behind Kingpin for a while. <laughs> yeah, but Kingpin might just might give him up so he can make another move on the... On the chessboard. Yep. I think Kazi will think he's redeeming himself by trying to step in front of Echo at some point to, like, save her. And she might just, well, like, stab him literally in the back. Yeah, that's what I just thought, too. One of those scenes where he he goes, oh, and he looks down and he's got this sword sticking to his chest. (laughs) There's a lot of whatabouts happening right now and a lot of rabbit holes to go down. Although I will say somebody posted when Clint hands Kate the arrow when they get out of the car, which how long was that car ride, by the way? Yeah. (laughs) The sun sun was back up. And that apparently was like right out that scene, basically right out of the comic books as well. So I really want to read this now. And we did get a little tiny feedback that came from one of our fangirl zone co-hosts who pops in every so often, Jessica. She said that she is seriously thinking that it is going the way of the comic books where Hawkeye's going to survive and he's going to end up leading the Young Avengers, but that he still wants to do the West Coast Avengers. So she's seriously confused too. But that's what she said to me when I hung up with the phone before we started recording. She wanted me to make sure we <laughs> talked about that. I have no idea about the West Coast Avengers. That's a whole nother thing you guys will have to fill me in on. So if anybody out there in listener land also knows about that, let us know because I need to get filled in apparently on a whole lot of Hawkeye that I did not know about. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you're just straightforward. Yep. Yeah. You don't know any of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast with good ratings and reviews to help the other fans of the show find us where there are plenty of other Marvel podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and I hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. And there's so many of the Fangirl Zone podcasts. Shows like <laughs> the Mudhorn Clan cast, for example. We talk about the Mandalorian, and Book of Boba Fett. There's a lot. Go check us out at www.fangirlzone.com. And if you listen to that one, you'll get to hear me sing at some point my Baby Yoda song. So <laughs> that was really bad, but I 
think these guys cracked up pretty well. So check out our contacts page, all the various ways to get a hold of us, Twitter, Facebook, emails, Telegram, whatever works for you. Smoke signals. Telegram. Good one. <laughs> How about a message in an arrow? Now, there we go. I want one of those. <laughs> and for this episode of the Marvelous post Whip Podcast. I'm Steve. I don't have any weapons on me. Okay, I take that back. I don't have any weapons currently in my hand. That's a lie also. <laughs> I'm Sean Vangerlas, and message arrows are the only way to go. I think that's even better than text messages now. And this is Mischievous Dave. Hey, Elena, did I tell you my nickname in high school was Hot Sauce? <laughs> <laughs> There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat. There is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone.